0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Linux in the Ham Shack. My name is Richard KB5JBV, and I am here simply as the presenter of the most magnificent, uh, techno-savvy, Linux geeky guy I ever done know, or anybody else has ever done know, Russ K5TUX. Way up in the, in the booby mountains of uh, Arkansas, there he is. Say hello to everybody, Russ.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Russ up in the Grand Tetons in the pine forests of north-central Arkansas, and I'm happy to be with my co-host, the most incredible, all uh ham radio guru geek guy that ever walked the planet, Richard KB5JBV, broadcasting from a card table somewhere in central Texas. So how's it going for you this week?
0: North-central Texas, thank you. We have distinctions here. That people who move down here don't realize there's North Texas, South Texas, East Texas, West Texas. You just
1: there don't want nice. to be associated with Waco. That's, that's all.
0: I like Waco. My second wife was from there. All right. Go Trojans University High School. Yeah, buddy. So all y'all listening down in Waco, Texas, go Trojans. At the next game, walk up to Salisa Harrell, who's teaching, who's teaching and coaching down there and slap her in the head and tell her that guy she grew up down the street from uh, sent her a big hello. University High School. Go Trojans.
1: I'll put money on the fact that she's not going to get that message. Well, I'll just do
0: it on Facebook.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a big
0: point of contention with my my second wife because I told her that my high school's mascot was a stallion. Hers was a kind of box so uh back to the show and um how things been going for you this week chris
1: things have been very busy up here for me um but in a way that's been very good because i have been probably more productive in work than i have been in a long time and hopefully work is not listening to this now i'm just kidding uh, I've just been doing a lot of programming and getting a lot of stuff done, practicing my PHP skills and my JavaScript, and things are going quite well. Unfortunately, that means I'm not paying attention to the Linux and the Hamshack podcast, although I swear I will get these back episodes out. I, I really will, honest. Uh, <laughs> and if Richard wants to volunteer to edit them for me, I'm all for that, too. Well, I don't make them sound as pretty as you do. How do you know you've never done one?
0: Well, you keep me from sounding like an idiot. So I know you're doing a better job than I can do. Go well, back and listen to the back episodes of resonant frequency. <laughs> well, surely you can make yourself not feel like an idiot. Oh, I don't feel like an idiot. I just sound like one. No, all didn't. them emails we used to get. Well, I think it
1: wasn't for Richard's to draw. Some Dude. people, some people really like your draw too. I think we had plenty of emails on that front as well.
0: Dude, I grew up down here. Everybody down here talks like I do. So if anybody got an accent, it's you people. Hey, except we're starting to convert Russ. He spent enough time down here in Texas that it's, it's starting to work on him.
1: Well, I haven't spent a lot of time in Texas, but Missouri has an accent too. Not, not a real strong one, but certainly different than where I'm from.
0: And definitely the people in New Hampshire. Uh, now I would come out a little Massachusetts today. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the folks up there where Russ comes from, they think he sounds like a southern. Now.
1: Yeah, I think I've gone totally southern now on them. Although I think I've I basically sort of hit a balance between southern and northern and I'm sort of midwestern. I think I'm kind of southern Wisconsin right now.
0: He's mid Southern. Yeah, right. You know, I'm i I'm still thinking about a while ago when you said you'd been busy at work and all this stuff, you'd been uh working on your people skills and drinking a lot of Java. Yeah, buddy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but this first little bit's going to be all up to you because I don't have anything.
0: Well, that's okay because I, I can talk for an hour and not say nothing.
1: Well, I know you wanted to bring up Oniric Ocelot, the new version of Ubuntu. So do you want to hit that real quick?
0: Yeah. I don't know what the hell that's supposed to be. I don't know what they're thinking. Shuttleworth must be Chinese.
1: What the, the word Oniric is a real word. Don't you know what it what means? The- what the hell does it mean? It means dreamlike. One Rick. One <sighs> Rick. <laughs> I Listen, know what the hell
0: Isolat is. I used to have a friend that had a Coke made out of them.
1: I don't want to promote any, you know, um, companies that make games that sort of are like Scrabble but aren't. But that's one of those words that's great to play in that game.
0: I see. You can even play ginormous now, I understand
1: ginormous. has that actually made it to the dictionary?
0: It is in the dictionary as of this year in the Webster's dictionary.
1: Has it made it to the OED yet? I don't know. I don't I bet it hasn't. I don't know. I don't think it's a real word until it's made it to the OED.
0: Well, actually, I was looking at uh one rick,
1: uh Osolite. Onirik. Yes. Yeah, one rick. Well, yeah, one, one- rick. <laughs> one One-a- yeah. Oneiric. See,
0: I told you all that Texas was rubbing off on him. <laughs> anyway, I, w- I was looking at the stuff. There's not a lot of review wise, other than people dislike, some like. It's supposed to have made some improvements to Unity, and the 2D de- desktop is supposed to work uh, work better, look better. I really don't know. I myself find my days with the uh, Ubuntu probably numbered, but it's supposed to be out on the 13th. And for those of y'all listening to us that, uh, it's already come out, sorry about that. We're going to be taking a look at it as soon as it hits in a few days and uh, run it through at the very least, a virtual machine and, uh, see what we can do with it. Uh, see, that's the problem, Russ. We, we still have that one problem, which is, uh, uh, 1004 could see my telephone and 1010 couldn't. So I haven't even upgraded off of 10.04 yet.
1: <laughs> I I still have one server that's running Ubuntu, and I have to run it because I have a version of Zimbra running on it, and Zimbra is deprecating all support for 32-bit systems. So I actually have to run a version of Ubuntu 8.04, which I don't even remember what 8.04 was. 8.04 but- was kinky
0: kick Kingy Koala, something. Okay, I don't remember. I had a list. Well, you know, I'm and everybody heard me tell the story here a while back. I I tried Debian, that was okay, but I had a problem getting the getting the uh, uh, browser I wanted on it. I tried Mint, Mint won't see my phone. Uh, Standard Mint or uh, the other one. Come think of it, I couldn't really get anything to recognize my phone anymore. It must be something that got discontinued across the board. So it's a good thing I
1: still have a laptop that has windows on it.
0: Ooh, did I say that?
1: (laughs) I'm going to have to edit that and make it into a quote and play it on everything. (laughs) Harrison K in the chat room says that 8.04 was Hardy Heron, which, oh, nope. Now he's changing his mind. That's right. Interspersal Ibex. Some, somebody can look it up. I'm far too lazy, but anyway, 8.04, I'm still, I still have on one server. I couldn't, I haven't completely divested myself of Ubuntu yet, but I will soon. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm probably going to start consolidating and have to find a real operating
1: system. Linux Mint Debian edition is so slick. That's what I've been using and I, I can't speak highly enough of it, but I think I've already beat that horse.
0: One, I wonder if it'll see my, your phone, my, my Santa clips.
1: Uh, I don't know, but isn't the Sansa Clip thing a, f- a function of the music player software, not a function of the OS?
0: Actually, on on these machines, it sees them as uh, sees them like a uh, a thumb drive.
1: Okay, Bill has confirmed that Ubuntu eight point oh four was in fact Hardy Heron.
0: Hippie Heron.
1: Hip. Yep. Hippie horny hippo. Eight point oh four. Hippie horny hippo. Got it. Hippie horny hippo.
0: Just want you to know that hippie, horny, hippie, horny, horny, hippo will be appearing at the blue cows underground the week of December 17th. Y'all get your tickets now so that you, you don't miss out. Hippie, horny, hippo, horny, hippie, hippo, hippie, happy, hoppy, (laughs) hoopy, hippie, hey, ha, hoo, ho, he.
1: Do you actually want to talk about a New York Ocelot or did you just bring that up to waste time? I really haven't researched it much other than reading a few reviews. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Oniric Ocelot is 11.10 version of Ubuntu, and of course, since it's the t- the ten version, it'll be out in October, probably in a few days. And I guess that means next episode, we'll actually have some kind of review of it, just like every other Linux podcast in the world, will review it as well. I can tell you what I'm going to think of it already, especially if it's, you know, defaults to the unity interface and all that good stuff that Ubuntu has wanted to do for the past few months.
0: Well, like I said, they, they supposedly made some improvements to that. And they've wrapped it up a little tighter with copies and that kind of stuff. I was kind of reading what they're saying they did to it, man, they, they're just going off the rails on this. I think they're trying to, I think they're trying to, uh, surplant
1: red hat i really do well i'm not sure what they're trying to do but i've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately and one of them in particular the linux action show and now that um, brian is sort of on sabbatical they've got alan in there and i don't know if that makes the show better or worse or the same but it's at least different but they've brian been talking about in the first place brian's what he was batty in the first place he was batty in the first place well anyway chris and Allen have been talking about ubuntu and Uh, Gnome 3 and the Unity desktop. And one of the things that has come out of all the things that I've been hearing about Gnome 3 and Unity is that I think I really need to try KDE. Uh,
0: I've tried to look at it more than once. You know, I quit using it when they uh, started using whatever was the next thing after 3.5. And I've gone back and looked at it a couple times. I don't know. If I if I sat down with it and worked with it regular, I guess it might be a different thing, but uh, Gnome just worked better for me.
1: Yeah, Gnome has always been my thing for, well, it hasn't always been my thing, but it's been my thing for a long time now. But from what I've been hearing since about the 4.6 release, and now they're up to 4.7. something on KDE, every review I've heard of it, even from people who don't particularly like or use KDE, has been super positive. So I think I'm going to have to give it another run. Hmm.
0: Well, I may have to to try it. I know my boy is not a a super-duper Linux user, and he still sneaks over to that other operating system from time to time, and uh, he doesn't like anything but KDE. Now, I don't know. I just, you know, give me a desktop where I can put something up there and work with it. That's all I'm worried about. I don't need no windows, frames, portals whatever the hell they call them now, uh, I don't need none of that crap. Just let me put my stuff up on the screen so I can work with it. If I need to go find it, I will click the button, the places up on the on the
1: bar, and I will go look for it. I think in the past that's been one of the complaints about people in KDE is that it's been configurable basically to the point of distraction where you can't find the simple options you want just to make the thing work and do what you need to do on a daily basis. But I think KDE has kind of listened to that criticism and they're kind of making the default desktop experience for KDE a little more, you know, I hate to say windowsy, but a little more familiar to the average user while still maintaining the flexibility that KDE has always been known for. And I don't know if that's true or not because I haven't used KDE in a while, but like I said, from what I've been hearing, it sounds great. And I don't want to, you know, make uh, any kind of an evaluation until I actually try it. But I think I've heard enough to make me want to try it. So I'm going to do that. Well, there you have it. I guess, I don't
0: know. I guess I'll put it in a virtual machine and give it another shot. You know, uh, I was going to switch over to PC Linux OS on one of the machines here. uh, So I could try and get familiar with that file structure and everything for some project I was doing. And let me tell you. You know, we were talking about slick front ends here a while back, and one of the reasons I've stuck with Ubuntu as long as I have is because of that. They got a really slick front end, but I may have to go check out, get, try the KDE. Maybe I, maybe I will load it on one of the Gnome machines and uh, run it, run it that way
1: out of out of GDM for a while and see what happens. I don't know. Well, well see what happens with that. Yeah, I mean, because you can always install the meta package on your Debian box, and you can always go back to GNOME or GNOME Three or whatever other desktop you want to to use if you decide you don't like KDE. But it's kind of nice to have it. The only the only part that kind of sucks about it is there's um, a great deal of stuff to download concerning the KDE desktop environment itself and the cute libraries and stuff that go underneath it. So. There's a disk space hit for sure, but that's about it.
0: Well, when I was switching over to GNOME, one of the things that I did at that time was I ran, had both desktops installed. There was an option in uh, Grub. There was an option in Grub where you could go down click on it, and it would ask you which one you wanted to use, and if you wanted to make one of them the default so that it would go to that one unless you reached down there and clicked it and chose a different one, that kind of stuff. And I used to run them side by side. And finally I found started finding myself in Gnome more often than KDE. And here I be. And I quit using KDE altogether when they uh, went up from 3.5. Oh, now we done went all geeky. And you were afraid we weren't going to
1: have anything to talk about. Well, sometimes you just hit on something, and there it goes. I told
0: you, we jump in the river, we see where it takes us.
1: (laughs) Yep, I think (laughs) I'm somewhere around um, Philadelphia.
0: You know, Bilbo Bilbo says, it's a treacherous thing stepping out upon the road because you never know where it might take you.
1: That's very true. Or something to that effect. Yeah, to paraphrase and totally misquote Tolkien.
0: I can find my book and get it.
1: I got it here somewhere. Um, I think the quote is more akin to it's a uh, something business going out of your door, something like that. Anyway, yeah, something like it.
0: All right. <clears throat> so, how long have we been on this? Let me see what's going on. I'm crazy, crazy as a loon, and Bill is over there talking about Wolverines and stuff, and it's scaring me, scaring me, Wolverines and stuff.
1: All right. Well, I think we're at a point where we can take a break. So, why don't we do that? And we'll come back in a few minutes after some music and we'll talk about some other stuff.
0: See how you are. We'll be right back. Russ and I were talking about something. I was talking about how the the newest show over at the RF Podcast website, there's going to be an episode come out pretty quick that is from Studio Two M. And for those of you that have heard uh, heard other episodes from Studio Two M, uh those were recorded while two M was not in motion. And I got one or two that got recorded the other day in there. They're, they're kinda of loud. Let me remind y'all that Studio 2M is a 1996 Ford F 150 and the, uh, the bushings that keep the doors from help the doors shut all the way are gone out of it, like most Fords. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about sound canceling. Were we Russ?
1: Well, we were just a little bit and you, you may be doing this already and maybe I just didn't make it clear what I was talking about, but you said we should probably do this on the air. So I guess we will. Yeah. Richard was saying that his latest recording from Studio 2M of the Richard's Adventures in Radio podcast is very noisy because I guess you were driving around while you were doing it, yes?
0: 70 miles an hour.
1: <laughs> okay, so you were pulling a Dave Yates, and you basically want to remove the Dave yates out of the show.
0: Well, no, I want to keep the Dave yates I just want to
1: get the road noise out. Oh, you want to get the road noise out. Okay, well, that's a different plug-in. And being being
0: compared to Dave Yates is only a compliment in my book. So don't compare, you said... Don't compare, don't,
1: compare, don't compare me to Chad, though. Okay. So basically, you were saying that you've tried the noise removal plug-in on Audacity, but you get chirpy audio when you do that?
0: Uh, well, it sounds like aliens.
1: Okay, you get the sort of digital not very good sounding audio that's left over. Well, basically, the way that the plug-in for noise removal works in Audacity is you have to do a quick train of it first. You have to train it before it does proper noise removal. And that isn't to say that it does it properly even after it's trained, but it does it pretty well. You know, I mean, if, you're, if, you're si- if your signal-to-noise ratio is not very good, I mean, there's there's not much you're going to be able to do, but it does work fairly well. So the basic idea is you go into Audacity, you have your track, that's all noisy. What you do is you find a bit of your track, your audio track, that's just noise. Just the noise you want to remove from the track without you, you know, what you want on top of it. You highlight that little bit, you know, the more, the more of it you can find in a consecutive bit of noise, uh, the better. But I mean, a second or two will work. So, what you do is you go up to your effect menu after you've highlighted a little bit of noise in your track. You select the noise removal plugin and then you click on the noise or get noise profile button that will analyze the highlighted bit of your track and sort of get a signature of the noise. And then what you do is you highlight the entire track and go back up to the effect. And noise removal, and then do the noise removal bit. Usually the defaults are okay, but you can play with it a little bit if it, you know, if it doesn't come out as as well as you'd like. But once you once you do the two pass operation on noise removal, it will actually filter out mostly noise, and you should be left with a pretty decent sounding track. Like I said, you may have to, on that second pass, you may have to play around with the settings some, but it does work reasonably well on this particular podcast, we don't have a lot of noise, but even the little bit of white noise that comes in on Richard's side of the connection, I use the noise removal plugin to just get rid of that. And it it does a super good job on that because it's very low audio, but I've, I've done it on, on very loud audio too, or loud, noisy audio. And it seems to work pretty well. So does that describe how you've been using it? Or did you just do a single pass?
0: Well, no, that's the way I've been doing it. And, uh, didn't have a lot of luck with it from time, time to time. So that's why I was trying so hard to get the studio quiet over at the other place. However, I'll, I'll monkey with it a little bit. I've got some time. i one of those deals like they, they heard me on the other show sit out there at the rendering plant and do like, I think I did five episodes in one night out there because I had that much stuff going on in my head radio wise.
1: One thing for sure is it does make a difference how much, how close your audio is to the noise floor because at some point the filter can't tell the difference between the signal and the noise. So, you know, if it's close, you're not going to get good results. But hope you you should get something. It should make it better.
0: Yeah, I I monkey with it some. I need to because I don't think I can replace one of the ones I did because we had a guy go silent key up here that, uh, even though he was about five feet tall, he was definitely somebody you would look up to as a ham radio operator. He really done a lot for the amateur radio service. So I don't want to lose that one, but yeah, I'll monkey with it. And we'll see how it, uh, see how it comes out. So since we brought that up, y'all go over to the RF podcast, uh, dot info website and uh, we're starting to post some richards radio adventures over there y'all go on over there and and check them out if you turned off the feed for rf podcast turn it back on uh it should be showing up in itunes also i think jerry taylor told me it came through on the itunes feed Uh, y'all go check it out at rfpodcast.info that was richards commercial number one for the evening
1: Oh, and don't forget about if you have any kind of audio recording needs. If you want a simple, powerful tool for doing it, don't forget about Audacity. It is open source and it's cross-platform, and you can find it at Audacity a u d a c i t y dot sourceforge dot net. I wonder if Ted put that in there. No,
0: he's sitting there writing it all down on a piece of paper.
1: Yeah, he's I not putting it is. He's not putting it on the electronic e pad like he should be, or Etherpad, not EPAD. That's right. P Pad. P Pad, no, that's <laughs> what we had for the docs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact,
0: Audacity, uh, we've gone through several iterations of the studio over here on, on my side, and it's run on Linux machines and Windows machines, and in fact I think the first Windows machine it was on was uh one that had Windows two thousand Pro on it. and it has definitely improved over time even though it still says beta on it okay so we talked about that let's talk about some other stuff that's going on we'll we'll, we'll get off away off subject again belton was this past weekend i wasn't able to make it down there again for all of you that uh, made it down to belton i'm sorry i missed y'all uh we are going to try and be there in spring we're going to start trying to scrape together some pennies to get some gas down to get down there and see all you folks down there at Belton. We're still planning on trying to be at Texoma Hammerama at the end of this month. And uh, once again, I have neglected to bring it up on the on the browser, except the browser has gone stupid. Stupid
1: is as stupid does. Don't do that. You sound like Brenda. <laughs> I'm going to have to leave that in.
0: No, it's just from time to time, she she (laughs) says stuff and it comes out kind of gumpish. We're going to do our best to try and be at the Texoma Hammerama October 21st and 22nd, 2011 at the Ardmore Convention Center in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Uh, y'all can go over to the website, which is, uh, www.texomahammerama, one word, believe it or not, .org. And, uh. We're, we are definitely going to try and get up there because we want to go up there and shake some hands, maybe recruit uh, some areas members and stuff like that. But uh, we're definitely trying to get ourselves out and mobile and and try and spread the good news, spread the good news. And I know we've talked about this on the last three or four episodes, and I just realized that it'll probably be over by the time y'all get this. So I hope y'all had a great time at the Texoma Hammerama. you just gonna let me go as long as i was gonna go down didn't you
1: yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) oh lord we'll we'll get it out
0: russell cut it out and make a promo out of it or something i don't know
1: i stopped trying (laughs) to rein you in 30 episodes ago (laughs) (laughs) then let's do something totally different okay
0: as most of you know, or some of you know, or when the episode comes out, you will know there was talk of making Richard in charge of uh, emergency communications or the uh, emergency coordinator for Kaufman County in the county of Kaufman in in Texas. Yeehaw! And uh, guess what, folks? It's happened, and we're recruiting. So, if there's anybody out there listening to our show in Kaufman County, please get in contact with me because we are building an organization. Uh by the time this comes out there should be a website at K C A R E S K C A R E S dot info and y'all can go over and take a look at it and find a registration form and all that other good stuff and there you have it. Ta-da. so, so y'all go check it out. Now uh let us stop a minute and talk to our guest host, our our silent guest host, Harrison. Russ keeps me from sounding like a complete idiot because in the live show, I do. He only thinks he does. I do. No, you don't. I do. Also something else we're going to embark upon y'all. Uh, we were discussing it earlier as we kind of ran through the packet radio for Linux thing. And uh, we're probably going to try and revisit that because it's a lot of information. We skipped over a lot of stuff. I've learned quite a bit about it since we, uh, did that episode and we're probably going to go back and re-examine that. And who knows by that time, there may be a ham radio deluxe for Linux. We did talk about that. Yes, we did. See, Russ is being very, very, I don't know. I'm making baggage. you work for it. He's making me work for it, y'all. <laughs> I'm liable to get misty again. Russ has made me misty more than once on this show. I'm just glad we don't do video anymore.
1: Is that your porn misty. name?
0: What video or misty? Misty, Mist-
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> misty radio. Misty no misty porn. No crap. Misty on misty video. That's it. Misty video. Video misty. Something. Anyway. So, <laughs> so anyway, y'all, y'all, y'all go to the text on my hammerama.
1: Yeah, do that. Be there. (laughs) Be there. Oh my.
0: Oh my. Yeah, that's right. Harrison hadn't heard my George Decay. In fact, I have have George over here now. I picked him up at the house today.
1: Just wonder how how long it's going to be before the you know George Decay LLC sues us into oblivion for this. Oh my. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? It's done without any electronic. Uh yeah, uh
0: whatever. I would say he could bite me, but he probably would. <laughs> <laughs> or at least nibble affectionately. Yes. Alright. So let's try and get a little bit of ham radio content into this. We've done the text on my hammer ammo. We've talked about Richard Missing Belton once more. We've talked about Aries. So let me tell y'all also we're gonna be working on uh getting radios back into the trucks. Due to our problem here, and I know we don't talk a lot about radio installations and hidden antennas and all this other stuff. That's one of the reasons that RRA uh, came into existence because that's information that I need to impart to y'all that we don't normally talk about that kind of stuff here because this is primarily about uh, using Linux to further your amateur radio progress we will i will be tra- dropping some tidbits in because there's there is stuff that we're going to be doing to get the the radios back into the truck because we don't have the facilities to get HF antennas up here it's going to be very difficult to run whisper out of the truck but i'm going to give it a shot <laughs>
1: whisper JT65 JT 65 mobile. That's interesting. I don't know if anybody's tried that. Have they?
0: Well, I doubt it'd be mobile, but I bet I can make it happen. Portable.
1: Yeah, I imagine so. You know,
0: uh, about a mile down the road here, I have to drive a mile down the road to hit the repeater for this county. Cause it's up on a hill. Uh, when I was going down there the other night, so I could get on their net, try and recruit some people. There's a fireworks stand across the highway from the gas station right down there and i had to pull up in the parking lot of the gas station to be able to hit the repeater that is the most common one and belongs to the main club in this county because the repeater's like 15 20 miles away and it needs help i can stand on the front porch here and hit the one back over in mesquite 10 miles away on a handheld so (laughs) i'm gonna have to do some engineering some figuring and some other stuff to uh, make sure that this plugs along, I'm also going to have to spend some time studying and finding us some damn content for this show. <laughs> badger, badger. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. We made it. Th- we've made it over twice as far as anybody expected us to ever go. And if all else fails, we'll tweak the format to make it happen. Tweaking the format. I've been. Batting around some ideas myself, Russ, tell me what you think about this
1: um uh the p c linux o s podcast What do you think about that? I think it sounds great if you like p c Linux or want to get into it, I don't really know anything about it.
0: Oh, okay, well, then, what about the the Debian podcast? Well, I could certainly
1: talk the hell out of debian well, we could
0: we, uh, oh wait, I got it. We'll call it mint <laughs> We'll get Clement to come over and visit with us.
1: No, we won't call it Mincast. We're going to call it Linux in the Hamshack. I don't care if we wind up talking about gardening. It's still going to be Linux in the Hamshack. <laughs> we're going to talk about how to how to fertilize your azaleas, but we're still going to talk about Linux too.
0: <laughs> how Linux can help you fertilize your azaleas.
1: That's right, and I bet it can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to talk about two more things, and I think we probably need to take another break. Uh, number one is the story about the badger. There was once again, a question about where the badger came from. Y'all hear us talk about the badger all the time. When Richard says bad words, there's a badger that jumps in and covers it up so that we don't lose our, uh, we don't end up with an explicit tag over it, over at iTunes and all this stuff. So I'll tell the story one more time. Since we were talking about Brian and Chris earlier, the story goes met the Linux cranks went over there and uh, was in their chat room and we were chatting back and forth and they made a comment about the, whatever the hell name it is this week action show. I guess it's Linux and Linux action show again for this week. And we were talking about that and they got to asking me, well, you know, how do you know, Brian and Chris? I said, well, it's kind of like this. I started following Chris on Twitter and Chris started following me on Twitter and I started following Brian. Brian followed me back. We ended up at a motel. There was a badger involved. Of course, the cranks really liked that story, and that—that's actually how how it came down. But uh, after that, we 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 started talking about badgers more and more. And for those of you who would like to go over to the Linux and Hamshack website at lhspodcast.info and check into the store, hmm check into the store, you can find not only all your favorite Linux in the Ham Shack stuff, let's see, mugs, T-shirts, hats, and assorted other stuff. You can also buy the most coveted, most talked about Linux shirt on the planet, the Kiss My Badger T-shirt. The Kiss My Badger T-shirt exclusively at Linux in the Ham Shack. So y'all go on over there and check it out. You know, this whole, this show's starting to sound like one of those infomercial
1: shows. I'll, I'll just let you go on. Keep, keep talking it up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pimping
0: the merchandise.
1: Yeah. We don't talk about the merchandise. Well, we talk about it probably more than everybody wants us to, but. Uh, um, don't talk about it enough. We got you know, a lot of stuff over there,
0: people. That's right. Go, go buy this stuff.
1: Go buy it. It all, it helps it up the show. It really does.
0: Please buy our
1: stuff. Anyway, you you said you had one more thing before the break.
0: I had to, honestly, I had to,
1: well, we can knock it down to one and go to some music.
0: I tell you what, we'll knock it down to one. And if I remember during the break, we'll, 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 uh, we'll bring it up. Then y'all listen to some nice music while I go get a glass of water. All righty, and I'm not going to say that we're coming down to the wire this time because I've I've been saying an awful lot, and I'm trying to break the habit. So whatever you do, we are not coming down to the wire. However, we do have some feedback, and Russ has brought us some lovely feedback. looks like several of them. They're all nice and neat, and I can see all of them, and I bet he wants me to read the first one, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. Hello, Richard and Russ. I don't know why they always put me in front. My name is Danny. I had written to you a four. I use Linux with a VMware Fusion. My goal is to one day get a box just for Linux. Venix is what I use because it's having Orca, the screen reading program. My uncle's computer is an old tower that has many pop-ups and stuff on it. So, I want to download a distribution that would be easy for a senior who is a computer novice to use. Linux Mint has a DVD that can be downloaded, but is there also a live CD? He may not have a DVD. Thank you for your show, Danny. Well, Danny, that's a good question. I'll have to get back to you on that. Well,
1: actually, you don't have to get back to him on it because I have an answer.
0: <laughs> no, I don't have to get back to him on it. I've, I've downloaded plenty of live CDs from from Linux Mint. Uh, yes, they do have some live CDs. I, I think they may even have a live DVD now. I'm not. I haven't checked on that. I'm sure I'll get the information on that in just a moment. However, uh, they do have plenty of, uh, I've downloaded plenty of live CDs. They had to have them for both the uh, standard Mint and the Debian edition. So uh, you probably just need to head on over and give it a shot. And I am informed by one of the guys over at Mintcast that they do have a live DVD, even though it probably runs really slow. <laughs>
1: Well, it's sort of all dependent on your machine now, isn't it? But, yes, they do have a live CD. They do have a live DVD. And those are the downloads that you use in order to do the installs as well. So if you want to use Linux Mint, definitely go to linuxmint.com, download the version you need, whether it be CD or DVD, and you'll find exactly what you need in order for your older, what was it, uncle, grandfather, whatever. He said uncle. Uncle, yes, the older uncle to, uh, use a very easy to use Linux distribution. Now you could try a couple other ones like PC Linux OS, which we, uh, just mentioned, or which Richard mentioned during the break, I think that one's also very easy to use, but I mean, we, well, I will say, I still recommend Linux Mint, either the Ubuntu version or the Debian version for ease of use. Uh, well,
0: I, I mean, I recommend it for ease of use also. I wouldn't point anybody at Ubuntu right now. And, uh, yes, I'm told that the, uh, the live CD does not include the
1: codecs. right? That's how they keep it small enough to make it a CD. Right.
0: So, uh, if you're going to try and give him a test drive without doing an actual install, you probably want to go ahead and download that DVD. There should be enough room on there to stuff all that crap in there. At least the most common stuff.
1: Yeah, I think the oh. issue was that his uncle may not have a DVD player in his computer, maybe just a CD player. So, you may you may be stuck with doing an install of the CD and then installing the proprietary codecs later. But it's you know it's it's not that big a deal.
0: Yeah, or uh, you could always go over and download VirtualBox and run it in there,
1: so he could take a look at it. All right. Well, That's- Danny Boy has another one, so why don't you go on with that one?
0: Yes, he does. Russ thinks I read this stuff pretty good. He just likes to hear me stumble over it. No, this I like to there. hear
1: myself talk. So <laughs> do what? I like to hear myself talk. Oh, then how come you're not reading? Uh, anyway, because hello. you like to read them. You always jump in and take them away from me. I don't get a chance to read these. Well, then read it. No, you read it. Oh crap. Oh my. Uh, <laughs> hello, Richard and Russ. Get
0: George, go. On. Hello, Richard and Russ. <laughs> <laughs> there are some podcast chat rooms that use Mumble. I understand that why Mumble is used. It is cross-platform software, open open to use by any user and any operating system. But the program is not accessible for people using a screen reading program. Some say it is uh it is workable once the sighted person sets it up, but many have no one that to come by and do that might there be a way to write the developers of mumble about this problem danny and uh hmm that is that that's interesting and that didn't help uh that's interesting (laughs) (laughs) have you been over to mumble website russ do they have a place to get in touch with the developers
1: I do believe they do have a place to go talk to the developers about the Mumble platform, but one of the things that's interesting about the GNOME desktop and the applications that run on it, specifically in Mint or Debian or Ubuntu, is that GTK has excellent support for Orca and various screen-reading applications that use the GTK framework, and since Mumble doesn't, it is not well-supported by Orca. And that's the reason. So unless you're using something that's truly a GTK slash Gnome application, Orca is not going to work well with it. You may go over to the mumble website and talk with the developers or somebody on their, their triage team for bugs and, uh, see if they want to work on accessibility.
0: And that's something that we don't talk about enough. I mean, the, uh, folks that can't see the screen, can't hear what's coming out of the speakers and stuff, you guys need to be involved in the development pro- uh, process. Now, I'm, I'm kind of scanning the Mumble website at the moment, but I really don't see anything to talk directly to the developers, but it's probably just something I'm overlooking. Uh, if you can spend a little time over there, and if you're not having any trouble looking at uh, wikis like Wikipedia, it shouldn't be an issue for you to go ahead and, uh, sift through the side a little bit. See if you can find, uh, some way to get a hold of them. Uh, we'll have the link in the show notes. If you can go over and check that out. Or if you, if you have a problem with all three, just send us an email and we'll send the link to you that
1: way. So,
0: uh, I think we've pretty much got that covered. I think, I'm not sure.
1: Um, as far as support for mumble. They they do have a wiki and a, and a fac and their website by the way is mumble.sourceforge.net, and there may be a link to uh, an email account or something like that. There, I'm trying. I'm going through the website here real quick to see if I can find some kind of link. You could always try like support at mumble.com or something like that, just something obvious, and see if that works. Um, but I'm not seeing anything here. So you're, you're probably going to have to use the online tools like the wiki and the fact, just go to mumble.sourceforge.com or org. No net mumble.sourceforge.net and, uh, see if that will help. Oh, they do have a live support. They do have a live support button so you can do a live chat. It's at, uh, if you go to mumble.com and click on support, uh, there's a link down towards the bottom of the page for mumble live support. So you can do a live chat with, uh, uh, presumably someone, uh, on the mumble development team, or at least in their support area. So, uh, give that a shot. See if that works.
0: And over at their SourceForge page, uh, mumble.sourceforge.net, which is the link that I went ahead and just put in the show notes. They also do have discussion forums and they also appear to have a chat room on freenode. that'd be irc.freenode.net and. It would be, uh, hash mumble, hash mumble. Yeah. Hash man, imagine mumble. That. <laughs> cause I, cause I know if you got X chat, you can talk to the guys. <laughs>
1: yep. All right. So try that. That's all that, uh, IRC is usually a great place to get support. Sometimes you have to wait a while for an answer, but you, you 99% of the time will get one.
0: There you go. And if all else fails, we'll figure something else out. Let me get back to the Etherpad.
1: Well, did did you see this comment from Bert K-1-O-I-K? Um, uh, no. Okay, well, on September 23rd at 9.21 in the morning, we got a comment from K-1-O-I-K, who has sent us some comments and emails in the past. His name is Bert. We've talked about him before. And he sent a comment on the website that said, <clears throat> uh, this was in reference to um, our posting of episode number 61 entitled south of the border. The comment was, I'd like to go south of your borders, or let me see if I can do that. Like it sounds, I'd like to go south of your borders. Oh my, exactly. That's what I was saying. And my response to his comment was, is there something we should know Bert? And he didn't respond to that, but is there anything you'd like to say to Bert? Well,
0: I would just like to say that the border is closed on Richard. Richard, Richard spent many years working in places where they were definitely trying to go south of the border on him. And, uh, in fact, he is a legend down in that part of town because of the way he handled it one particular evening. So I would say, uh, thank you so much for asking, but I think not.
1: Uh, yeah, I think not as well. My board has been locked up tight for quite a while. Cheryl, Cheryl might have something to say about it. That's right. Course, unless, we, of course, we don't really know what he meant by his comment, but let's assume the worst.
0: Unless, of course, there's video and a badger
1: involved. Yeah. If there's video, a badger, and whipped cream involved, we we might talk. But anyway. Woo! Yeah. Okay. Welcome
0: to the Blue Cows Underground. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. We have some more feedback. I'll, I'll read this one. You can read the last one. They get kind of wild up, Missouri, y'all. Go ahead, Russ. We sure do. This one's from Michael, KD8GIJ, that's Kilo Delta 8, Golf India, Juliet, and he says, Hi guys, a member of our local club is pretty fed up with, the Windows, uh, with Windows and wants to try Linux Mint on his local machine. He has tried running it from CD and would now like to install it on his local machine, dual boot, but before he does, he wants to understand what is involved in removing it if he feels he doesn't want it after evaluating it. Can you provide detailed instructions and or a reliable link that details the steps to remove the Linux dual boot partition and get his machine back to a pre-Linux configuration so it doesn't offer a dual boot choice? Thanks, Michael, KD8, G-I-J. Richard, you want to address that or do you want me to do it?
0: Well, actually, I've never gone that direction with it. (laughs) I mean, if I did find that the uh, Linux partition was causing a problem, I I wiped out the Linux and uh, formatted the partition as uh, uh, one of the multiple uh, DOS FAT file systems and just started using it as a storage drive. So uh, actually, I haven't really done that.
1: I haven't really done that either. If you are just wanting to delete what's on your computer and reinstall Windows, of course you can do that. That's not really an issue. But if you want to install it so you get a dual boot and then if you don't like Linux Mint, you want to remove Linux Mint but keep the install of Windows you already have, then you're talking about a little bit of complexity. One of the things that's probably the easiest thing to do is if you have the install media for Windows, you can run it again with a current Windows install and it will repair your bootloader and fix the Windows install that you already have and uh, not override it and all of that stuff. If you don't have the Windows install media, I don't know that there's any real easy way to get the NT loader installed back in the boot sector to replace grub once it's already there, but that being said, you don't really have to remove it because you can always make Windows the default boot choice even if Grub is installed in your bootloader and you can remove Linux as an option from the Grub menu. So, I mean, there, there are ways to do it. It's not that big a deal. Um, but if you really hate Linux to the point where you don't want to even see the Grub bootloader, uh, then you're probably going to have to go to extremes that most people wouldn't go to. Let's just assume that he's going to like Linux Mint and you don't have to worry about it. How's that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I said, when there's been cases where I did need to remove it, uh, I never had a problem with leaving the grub in there because I like it better than the uh, bootloader in Windows anyway. And uh, the one time it, I think it became a problem was on a copy of Windows 2000 Pro, which you know, in 2000 Pro you had access to the windows bootloader i mean you could do some limited stuff to it and that kind of stuff i mean the the nt loader will stay in fact that's what grub points to in uh with the windows uh entry in grub but uh, as far as completely removing it and restoring the thing to the way it was uh you would probably need to have your original install media yeah. And nowadays, they don't even give you that when you buy a machine anymore. You get uh, you get a machine with it already loaded on there, and they tell you to make some backup disks before you get started. I have about eight of them over here for one laptop I've got, which belongs to the wife. That's why it's got Windows 7 on it. However, we will check into this and see if we can't get back to you on it. Once again, I'm a big fan and if you have the room, I would do it this way. Well, there's a couple of options, come think of it. Uh the first one is go over to um Sun. Is it Sun Microsystems uh, VirtualBox now?
1: Um
0: it's actually Oracle that owns VirtualBox. Yep. Okay. Oracle, uh go over to the Oracle website and download a copy of VirtualBox. VirtualBox is a virtual virtual machine. It'll allow you to install the Linux inside a program inside your windows so that you can run it and evaluate it. Now, I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but the, the, the bottom line is that's the best way to make sure that you don't install it on a machine until you're ready to do so, if you're ready to do so. Uh, a second option is that Ubuntu, and this is one of the few times I will suggest Ubuntu or uh, somebody that's wanting to try and do something like this. Will be. Is Wooby because Wooby will also allow you to run the Linux operating system inside of the Windows operating system, even though it runs a lot slower. Wooby because yeah, Wooby, but uh, you can give that a woobie, shot woobie, also. Woobie, 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 woobie. Now, I hope we've made <laughs> enough strange noises and and stuff like that to to set you right on the road, uh, headed straight down the road to Confu- confusion land. Do you have anything else on that,
1: Russ? we <laughs> be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it will be. Yeah. No, I don't really have anything. I think I said my piece. Wait a minute. One more option. Okay.
0: He he, he could install it to a, a thumb drive. That's true. And boot from the thumb drive. That way it would never go on the hard drive. Uh It's just you will have to find a thumb drive that is compatible and bootable.
1: Well, it's also the equivalent of a live CD. You can use a live CD distro and we already talked about that for Linux Mint uh not 5 minutes ago. But so, it's faster. Yes. Uh, well, it depends on your on your flash drive. Some of them are fast, some of them aren't. I think yeah. uh there was an earlier episode maybe two or three back that you know may or may not have come out yet where we talked about the speed of thumb drives. But anyway, uh yeah, that's always an option as well.
0: Come think of it. Bill's even coming up with stuff in the chat room. His idea is why not create an image, a disk image using Clonezilla before installing the Linux, which that makes sense to me. That's one of those simple things you overlook.
1: Yeah. Bill's getting all reasonable on us.
0: That's why Bill gets paid so much. I know. You know, he makes more than both of us together.
1: I think we're going to have to double his salary.
0: Exactly. Okay. So, uh, I think we've given Michael a lot of options, KD8Gij. So uh, let's move on to John G7VRI's question. Oh look, G7VRI, they're listening to us over the pond again. Holy cow! I'm I'm tickled to death. I am tickled to death. We seem this to have one,
1: we seem to have uh, quite a few listeners over in England. I'm I'm very happy about that. Oh, well, apparently
0: Colin and Martin have been talking about us.
1: Oh, have they?
0: They have, or some of Jerry's uh, European listeners have been listening. Anyway, let's see, let's see what this one has to say. It says, Hi, Russ. I just finished listening to episode 62, my first time listening to LHS, and I had a couple of questions for you. I hope you don't mind me asking you directly, but I've tried to join the mailing list and it wouldn't let me register. I get an error message.
1: Okay. Well, let me address that before you go on. Um, okay. I, I haven't had a chance to look at the mailing list, but I will fix it, John. Don't worry.
0: Yes. And we're going to make sure that you get in there because now we got your call sign, we got you hooked, and you ain't never getting away. So I continue. You mentioned on the show that the live distro that was reviewed that contained some stuff to run Echolink. <laughs> do, does this mean you still have, have to run Echolink under wine, which is what I do, or can you run some other program to use Echolink under Linux? I have seen, uh, seen there are source packages for accessing the Echolink VOIP service, but not to interact with the directory. And that package to access the service is all CLI driven and frankly scares me more than a little. As, as a new listener, I'm still trying to get you and your co-hosts voices straight in my head. I'm the guy with the drawl. Uh, but I think it was you who
1: mentioned this. No, I'm the guy with the drawl from, from Texas. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. There you have it. Yeah. You, you talk straight. Up there in the Booby Mountains. That's right. In the Grand <laughs> Tetons of North Central Arkansas.
0: Will you answer the man's question?
1: Well, I, <laughs> well I'm trying to get him confused first. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay, yes. In the distribution, if they're actually running the Windows version of EchoLink or or Echo Link proper, I guess, is a Windows-only application. So, yes, it is running under Wine. Uh-huh. And I believe that Harv's Hamshack Hack and the new one that i can't remember the name of that we talked about in episode 62 um uh, shackbox both... no it wasn't shackbox it was that new one remember we got an email about it oh yeah yeah john's linux distro john's ham radio distro or some some goofy badger like that anyway um i believe those are all running echo link the windows application under wine there is the svx link native linux application for echo link but it is CLI-driven, and yes, it is a little bit scary. Uh, the configuration uh, scripts are not exactly super intuitive, and the build doesn't usually go well unless you get super lucky. I've I've had some luck with SBX Link, but not a whole lot. But one thing that's nice about the Echolink application is it does seem to run fairly well under Wine, so not, not really a big problem there. As far as getting uh, our voices straight in your head, I really don't think we sound that much alike, but I could be wrong about that.
0: It's the magic of editing. Actually, I'm using one of Russ's old microphones over here, so it's still got some of his voice left in
1: it. Yeah, but I'm not using one of those anymore. That could be part of Yeah, but part of your voice is still left in it. Oh, that's true. It might be resonating with my voice. Right. Right.
0: Also, what you might try, and it's an older program, uh, older piece of software, it was in uh, in the distro called Harv's Ham Shack Hack is called Qtel, and it is it is an EchoLink client. I've never actually used it myself. When I did some testing with EchoLink under Linux for as research for one of the shows we did some time back. Uh, I went ahead and ran ran Echo Link under wine and it ran just like it was supposed to. Uh, had a lovely QSO with one of our regular listens, listeners, Lee out there in Arizona and it, it worked absolutely fine. So, uh, you've got a couple of options there and, uh, it appears Qtel is still available
1: yes, over, it at, is.
0: over, over at Softpedia and it's probably in the package manager also.
1: SVX link is based on Qtel, by the way, just to bring that back around.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, Qtel in a package, you know, kind of thing. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Come on, let's hear that Texas drawl. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, anyway, another, another question is about music you played. I was wondering whether either, whether either track was Creative Commons licensed as I run a daily, weekly, monthly podcast, all automated, scripted, and as dehumanized as I could make it, playing and promoting Creative Commons licensed music. If those tracks are Creative Commons licensed, I'd love to add them to my show. Alternatively, if you'd like to uh, use any of the music I make available through my podcast on your shows, I'd be more than happy to pick out some tracks for you to use. As I mentioned, they're all Creative Commons licensed, so there shouldn't be any problems with playing them. Last thing was that I noticed there's no content in the description tags for your shows. I don't know if uh, this was intentional or not, but I thought I'd mention it in case it wasn't. Seven threes, John, the nice guys, G seven VRI. Yep. Y'all almost got me. I almost said his last name. (laughs) Not like people can't figure out what it is, but anyway. So tell them about about the creative commons music. I will.
1: And for most of the episodes that we do here at Linux in the ham shack, the music is either creative commons or pod safe. I haven't done a lot of work in going back through the music to indicate which the music tends to be because there have actually been a mix of Creative Commons music, Podsafe music, and music that I have been granted permission to use by the various artists in question. Now, as far as the music from episode number 62, those two tracks are not Creative Commons and they are not Podsafe. They are two tracks that I had permission from the artists to play. And if you go over to www.assemblylinegods.com, you can ask them for permissions to play their songs if you like, but it sounds like you're really only interested in Creative Commons music, which those tracks are not. So unfortunately, if that's what you're looking for, you're going to be a little bit disappointed I'm actually close personal friends with the artists in in question, and that's why I was able to play that music on our show. Um, I'm sure they'll be happy to let you play their music, uh, but it's not CC licensed. Uh, So unfortunately, I can't really help you out with that. I would like to say that I'm a little disappointed that you didn't read the show notes because that information is in there uh, and specifically noted because those tracks are not uh redistributable uh redistributable is that a word I think so redistributable anyway they're not CC public domain or pod safe so sorry about that uh John uh, a lot of our music is and I will make a point of uh indicating for sure throughout the archives which songs are which and as far as the description tags in the uh, MP3 files and the og files. I did not know that the description tag was empty and I will go through and remedy that. So thanks for bringing it to my attention. Uh, I think that's you, about it.
0: You bet. No, uh, one of the things we don't bring up on the show much is that Russ is a veritable uh, music entrepreneur, entrepreneur. No, I did not say that word that describes something that you fertilize your stuff with. What I said was entrepreneur, but newer. entrepreneur. Exactly. And, and he gets a lot of music for us that comes through various channels, uh, some CC, some bod safe. And you know, that's how we got our, got our theme music because that's uh that's a piece of music that we have. that We use by permission that I believe was written, especially for us. So I guess he'd be checking on that. However, John, since you are the creative commons music guy, If you will contact me at kb5jbv at gmail.com, I have a small thing you can probably help me with because I really don't have a lot of time right now to sit around and sift through a lot of music. However, I am in need of a couple of uh, short pieces of music for another project. But thank you for writing in, and uh, yes, we'll get all that stuff took care of like we should.
1: Yeah, I would also like to mention that I have heard of, on various podcasts, particularly like the ICQ podcast and other UK-based podcasts about John the Nice Guy, and um, he's he's sort of been in the back of my brain for now. And to find out that he's actually now a listener of the show, um, I have to say I'm chuffed. You should put you should try some powder, brother. <laughs> well, he'll know what it means, even if you don't.
0: Yeah, I know you get chuffed. You put on some blue star powder and it makes it all better. That's right. And there you have it. Anyway, John, thank you. And yes, get in touch with me and, uh, and we'll see how we can, uh, work something out. So that appears to be the last piece of, uh, feedback we got
1: Russ. That appears to be the last one. So I think the show is just about over.
0: And it looks like we've just about stumbled through another another episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are we're getting too good at this. So
0: anybody in the chat room got anything before we wrap her up for this evening? Hello. In the chat room. Y'all wake up. Hello. Oh my. God damn it, how did you get in here? <laughs> freaking even evil goat from hell oh boy i could tell you about my sick puppy but i ain't gonna do it okay so apparently we got nothing in the chat room so in that case uh if you you want to contact me my name is richard kb5jbv and you can get a hold of me at kb5jbv at gmail com kb5jbv at com. i have an lhs podcast address but i never can seem to remember it or you can get a hold of me at the uh, usual culprits on the social networks uh, kb5jbv at facebook twitter identica uh just about anyone you land on I, I probably have an account over there and it will probably find its way to me And with that, we're going to toss it over to the booby mountains and let Russ give y'all a rundown on his info.
1: All right. This is Russ K5TUX. I'm (laughs) up here, uh, in North central Arkansas. You can contact me at K5TUX at LHS You can email us both at info at LHS You can send us a voicemail at (laughs) 417-200-4811. That's 417-200-4811. And please use extension three for the Linux in the ham shack. Uh, I'm trying you to can, get the bastard out of here. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, that's okay. And, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 you can go to. <laughs> You can go to lhspodcast.info and leave a comment on the website. We'd love to have your feedback. And we'll answer your questions if we possibly can. I'm out there on all the social networks Facebook, Identica, you know, Twitter, and all that stuff as JR Woodman and K5TUX at 73s.org. So get in touch with us when you can. We'd like to hear from you. Donate if you can. The information's on the website, lhspodcast.info. You can always get in touch with somebody at the IRC channel for Linux and the Ham Shack, which is hash LHS podcast at irc.freenode.net. And I honestly think we've given out as much information as we even have. So, from the studio here in the Grand Tetons of North Central Arkansas, somewhere in the Pine Forest, this is Russ K5TUX. And I'm going to send it back down to Richard, who's broadcasting from a card table. north central texas and he's gonna say this is richard uh
0: talking to you from the card top of the card table in heartland texas and we will see y'all next time go rangers